Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, North Shore. And I want to just tell you that I was like so excited that I had this day to give a message because this is probably only my third time giving a Sunday message. So I was like this week, I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do this, right? It was one of those things, right? So I was preparing for what I thought, right, was just going to be just another sermon, right, or a message, and we're probably going to just be in the New Testament, right? So I was thinking, like, what should I do it on? And then that faithful day came. Yeah, Pastor Steve goes, you're in Second Chronicles. Guys, church, I'm going to be real transparent with you. I've never read Second Chronicles, right? But you're a pastor, right? Well, listen, I'll give you even one better. I never even read the first of Chronicles. So guess what I did this week? I read Chronicles, right? I read Chronicles, and guess what happened? I had nothing, guys. It was one of those things where I was just sitting there like, oh my goodness, right? Like, like this is where that point is, like anxiety was rising. You can ask my wife, right? Like anxiety was rising. I was afraid, right, that I might need another week or two, right? And I was overwhelmed at this point. Like I've never felt so unprepared in my life. Like, what I thought was going to be a familiar passage was absolutely not familiar. It was very unfamiliar to me this week, and I kind of felt like backed up, right? Like this feeling of being backed up into this corner where you just kind of feel stuck at this point considering all these other things going on in life. And so I read through commentaries. If you guys ever read commentaries, if you study the Word of God, it's a good way to have some insight, right? So one person I love to visit, his name is Warren Wearsby. Yeah? I call him my best friend. But if you guys open up the Wearsby commentary, it goes straight from Kings to Ezra. There is no chronicles in there. <laughs> Go figure, right? So it had to be this week. And so at this point, I've exhausted all my options. I didn't have a lot to use and I didn't have a lot of time. But listen, I just want to tell everybody here this morning that this was the lesson. Like I want to tell you right now that this is exactly where the Lord wanted me to be. And so tonight, I mean tonight, today, this morning, we're going to be in Second Chronicles. So if you guys have your Bibles, please open your Bibles to Second Chronicles and we're going to be in chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, uh, can you guys please raise your hands and keep them high so that the ushers can pass uh, Bibles to you? And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the word. We're going to pray for this service. We're going to pray for this time. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God. We, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives, Lord. I pray that you would just speak through me, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit is here. Um, you are welcome here this morning, Lord. And we just pray that you would... Uh, that you would speak to us individually in a very unique and powerful way. Lord, I pray that you would move through the hearts of your people this morning. Give us eyes and ears to hear and see your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we're in chapter 20. And see, in this chapter, there's a very huge war that is about to break out. And the king at this time is, his name is Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat, however you want to pronounce it, he is the leader or he is the king of Judah at this time. And as Israel split into two kingdoms, right, divided into the north and divided into the south, right? So ten and a half tribes went up north and one and a half tribes went down. Benjamin split right in the middle. And so we are going to read this morning, right, that he is now up against something that his military, right, his power, right, his wisdom and everything that he has 
cannot win this battle, right? As this was just an opportune time for the enemy to come and attack. So we're going to start in verse 1. And so verse 1 says in chapter 20, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. You see, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, and Gedi. Like, listen, this wasn't just like your average messenger, right, coming to tell you, like, hey, listen, I heard some rumors, right? Like, people are planning to attack, um, so I think maybe you should be prepared, right? Maybe we can get some things together. Guys, I want to just remind you that it wasn't like that, right? At this time, by the message got back to the king, the army was just 50 miles shy. Yeah, coming from the west, right? From the west to the south. This was like, hey, listen, these Moabites, these Ammonites, and all these other bites, right? Like, they are on their way, right? Like, as we speak, like, right now, right? So, we're talking about like a surprise attack at this moment. And so I want to point out here that this is a very natural or a very common emotion that we would feel. And it's in verse 3. Let's read verse 3. It says, Jen Jehoshaphat was what? He was afraid, right? He was fearful at this point. And listen, I'm going to tell you that it's not wrong to feel this way because it's not about how we feel, but it's about what? How we respond, Right? And this is how he responds. It says that Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his, what, face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah, and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, what do you, ma- what do you think made Jehoshaphat such a great king? Was it his wealth? Or was it his power, Right? Or was it those executive decisions he makes as a king, right? As the king of Judah, absolutely not. Because if you read Chronicles, he made some bad choices, right? One of the most righteous kings made some bad choices, choices, which later on will bite him again. And so you see the answer is actually in chapter 17, and it starts in verse 3. And I'm going to read that, and it says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. In the earlier ways of his father David, he did not seek the Baals, right? He didn't seek after idols, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments. And not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. So I'm going to ask you guys again, what made Jehoshaphat or any king such a great king? Well, the first thing we read, right, was that the Lord was with him, right? That God was with him. And the second thing that we read is that he sought after the Lord. He sought him because he knew that it was God, right, who established his kingdom. It was God who gave him his riches and the peace between the kingdoms. And so he knew that everything was given to him from God and by God. And so that's why his natural response at this point, after hearing this news, after being afraid and overwhelmed and fearful at this point, was to seek the Lord. 
right? But is this the way we respond in the church today? Because writing out this message, yeah, this week I realized how complacent I got, how comfortable I got in the position I'm in. Like, I've done many of these, right? It was at that point. The moment I think that I got, that I got this, right, it was like the Lord has a way of humbling me again by throwing me a passage I've never read before, right? And so what I do, this is what I do when I'm faced with situations in life that are pretty much out of my control. Listen, I will do one of two things. You ready? It's either fight or flight, right? And don't look at me like that because I know everybody in here does it, right? Like I will try to make every kind of excuse, right, not to deal with this certain thing, right? Like, I will kind of, I will come up with every kind of excuse to not deal with this certain thing in life. I will just have somebody else deal with it, right? Or uh, um, just having to avoid deal with something like this, this is common, right? When we come into these uh, positions, like I almost told Pastor Steve, like, let's do something else. Like, it was this close. Like, let's do something else, right? Um, and we'll just come back to this later. Then I realized, like, we're going to have to come back to this later, so that wasn't going to, right? So, but the other option on, on the other side, it's what? Fight, right? And this isn't the good kind of fight either. Like, this is like, let me handle this kind of thing, right? And so on the other, the other side of the scale, I have a tendency to rely on myself, right? And my abilities and what I have and my resources and my wisdom and me, 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 right? Like church, I'm going to tell you right now that this right here is a very dangerous place to be in. And let me tell you why. It's because these kings, you see, they start off well. They sought, their, they sought the Lord in their rule and reign in their beginning years and guess what? God establishes them and their kingdom. But as time goes by, right? As time goes by, they forget. Right? These kings fall away. They forgot that it was God who delivered them from enemies, right? Like, um, it was God who established their lands, as it just says, and gave them their riches. Listen, it is God who brings down kings and raises them up. And listen, church, I'm going to tell you that backsliding, right, falling away from the Lord in my walk and in your walk doesn't happen when we are low and persecuted. No, you see, backsliding happens when we are high and prospering, right? It's when we're being blessed we forget, Right? Then we can start to think that our success and, uh, the, and everything we have and the battles that we won, right, is like, I did that, right, kind of thing. And so we start to slowly face this life that God has generously given to us without him. And this was the downfall of many kings, many, many kings. As Pastor Steve just taught on Philippians, right, we are on a race. We are to start well and finish well. Not to start well and end horribly. And I've, we've probably witnessed or seen this uh, many times over in the church, right? And so going back to this passage, God sometimes allows us to go through these moments um, in life where suddenly all these different bites, right, come biting, right? It's to either humble us 
or to kind of show us where we're at and how we can kind of gauge where we're at with the Lord, where our relationship stands with the Lord today is how we respond. And that's what I got from this. And I don't know what you're going through today or I don't know who or what your Moabites or your Ammonites are. I don't know. Maybe it's financial, living situations, right? Maybe it's our marriages or a certain sin that we could be dealing with or wayward kids or family members that need to be saved all the way down to healing for sicknesses or, uh, or maybe it's just writing out a 30-minute message. And I'm sure the list, this list, right, can go on and on and on. And when our common response and what we know how to do best is fight or flight, my mom always says this to me, so what then, right? She always says that, like, what then? She always asks me that, so what then, right? Well, let me tell you, what then? That there is another F word. Yes, it's probably the word that you're thinking, right? It's faith. See, Jehoshaphat doesn't round up his troops and start, right, like, stashing his wealth in different places and tries to come up with this, like, uh, plan to counterattack. Like, I got this, right? Nor does he retreat in this situation. You don't see that, right? He doesn't retreat or give up in this situation, walking in defeat. So what does he do? I titled this message, Faith Under Fire. And what does a king with faith in his God look like? Well, he, when he was outnumbered and under pressure, the first move he made was to what? Seek the Lord. That's the first move he made. And now as we read verses 5 through 12, the second move he makes is prayer. And we're going to read a chunk of this. You see, this king, he goes straight into prayer. Excuse me. And we're going to read 5 through 12. And Joseph had stood in the assembly and Judah, in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it, for, uh, give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they lived in it. And built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before, you, uh, before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save, right? And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy, look, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, right, which you have given us to inherit. Verse 12, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. Look, we do not know what to do. What does he say? But our eyes are on you, right? Like, so he starts off by saying, he's saying, you are what? God in heaven, right? Like, you are sovereign. You are eternal, right? This is how he's praying. Everything belongs to you. Everything we have is from you. Like, Lord, we've done everything you've told us to do. Like, you are God and I am not, right? Power and might belong to you, Lord. Like, nothing can come against you. And you say, what? We are yours, like, what a reminder, right? And a lesson, 
right? This is a lesson for me that prayer isn't just, Lord, bless my food and give me traveling mercies, right? Like, this is like real, uh, um, this is sincere, this is genuine, this is like, and, 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 and prayer is this like direct communication with God and that we get to do this, church. And I think it was maybe the disciples, if you guys read your Bibles, that uh, asked Jesus, what was it to teach us how to preach? <laughs> or was it Paul that exhorted Timothy and said, preach without ceasing, Right? These disciples heard Jesus teach, right, and do many miracles, yet the one thing they asked of him was teach us how to what? Pray, right? Like Jesus being our example, and I believe the one thing these disciples seen him do more than anything in his ministry was what? Pray. And so that's why they asked him this question as Paul exhorts young Timothy to continue in ministry and to pray without what? Ceasing. Don't stop. And so as so prayer is seen throughout Scripture, and, the, and truly the emphasis or the importance of it, right? And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, just a few chapters back, in verse 14, as the Lord is speaking to Solomon, he says, If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and I will hear their, heal their land. But if we what? Humble ourselves, right? Saying, Lord, I don't got this right now. Like, I really don't got this right now. This situation sucks, and I don't know what to do, right? And so this verse is telling us, in a nutshell, that what? Prayer changes things, right? And the power that is in prayer is that God hears his people. That's crazy. I don't know if you understand that. It's like God, right? Creator of heaven and earth and everything in between wants to hear us and hears us. And he wants to hear from us. And so this is what he's saying in verse 12, right? We'll read that again. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So I wanted to ask you this morning, where are your eyes? Because our eyes have everything to do in who we put our trust in. People, if it's in people, people will disappoint you. Listen, drugs will destroy you. And if it's on your problem or your uh, circumstances, then we really didn't have a solution in the first place, right? See, the purpose to seek and to pray uh, is so that our focus would be redirected from the physical, right, from the things here onto the what? The spiritual. Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not against blood enemies, but against evil powers, right, evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. As much as we want to kick the devil in his teeth sometimes, right, our job is not to focus on the enemy. See, how easy it is for you and I to be distracted by our circumstances to, uh, and be discouraged, right, by the things happening around us in our lives today. You see, our one job, our main job, our one focus is this one thing. Keep your eyes on the Lord. This has to be the priority. Yours and mine. 
Because when our eyes begin to look unto the Lord and off of these other things that's happening around us, let me just give you some assurance of what he's doing. And this is my favorite verse in the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 16. I told you I read Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. King James Version says to show you his strength. You see, the Lord not only hears you now, but he sees you. Wherever you're at, he sees you. As your eyes are focused on him, his eyes are focused on you. And he's going to strengthen you during this time in your life. That's his promise. And so Jehoshaphat knew this. Like he so knew this, right? that God was the one who would deliver Judah and see them through this. And so what did he do? He taught this to all of Judah. And so that's why they are gathered together, and it kind of looks something like this, right? As one body. And through seeking and praying, the word of the Lord came. And so we know faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing the word of God. Amen? And we're going to read verses 13 through 17. Meanwhile, it says, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite um, of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde. For this battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, right? Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And so we come from this time of seeking and praying. And so the word of God is now being spoken through this uh, prophet as the spirit of the Lord would sometimes fall upon uh, people in the Old Testament. And so God is saying, hey, like, do not be afraid, right, at this army. Do not be dismayed of this people coming towards you, right, because the battle is never yours. It's mine, right? And so he said, therefore, go and get ready, right? Continue what you're doing. Um, meet them there and um, see, right? Like, see what I'm about to do. Hold your position. Stand still because you will not need to fight in this battle. And again, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed because I am with you. And we're going to read a chunk of scripture and what we're going to do. And after that, we're going to wrap this thing back up. Amen? And so let's finish this chapter because I only have 30 minutes. And so verses 18 through 20, uh, 23. Uh, so and then Jehoshaphat bowed his head, right, with his face to the ground. And all Judah and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord. 
the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in a holy attire. As they went before the army and say, right, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set in ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. And it kind of just ends this way, right? Like it ends this way of the enemy just killing each other, right? Um, it even says later that the enemy brought their gold and their valuables with them. I don't know if you ever got into a fight, but do you ever bring your stuff with you, like your wallet and your things? Um, so it's kind of weird, right? And so for some this reason, right, Judah came up, right, like big time, right? And so it begins with Jehoshaphat hearing the word of God, believing the word of God, and then he enters into a time of worship, and he takes it even a step further, right? What the, who does he send in the front lines of his army? Austin and his worship team, right? Give thanks to the Lord, right? Our God and King, his love endures forever, right? And so they go out into the field, they start singing, and the enemy is like, what is going on? The Lord sets this ambush, right? They start killing each other, and it doesn't even make sense, right, at this point. But it started making perfect sense to me, right? And I was honored to thank Pastor Steve this morning for allowing me to teach this chapter because, like always, these chapters are teaching me, right? And I always tell myself, how can I teach you something that I haven't been taught yet this week, right? Like, how can I give you something that I haven't been given yet? So this week, I exercise some faith, right? Uh, I put away the material. I put away the commentaries, right? I shelved Warren Wearsby, right? He's like, and I just sat there every morning and sat there like I have nothing, Lord, right? I can't do this, Lord. Like, can you please show up? And what God is faithful. He is so faithful. It's at this moment that I realized how much I trusted in what man had to say about the Bible than what God had to say. Like, that's what he was speaking to me, that my priorities were somewhat upside down. Like, I'm not saying commentaries are bad, right? They're great tools for studying. I'm saying this. I'm saying this, but for me, this was my fear. Like, this is my biggest fear, is to come up here today and have nothing for you guys. Because it is like me to be put, put in positions like this in life and go to everything else before I went to the Lord himself. Yeah. You see, the Holy Spirit that revealed these uh, scriptures to Wearsby and all these different commentators is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and that lives inside of me, right? Maybe you aren't in the position of writing a 30-minute message though, right? But let me warn you. See, in this life we are going to be faced with different 
all kinds of different Ammonites and Moabites. Jesus said we are going to go through much suffering and what? Much tribulation for his name's sake. He never said that following him was going to be easy. If anybody, anybody here told you that this walk was going to be candy, they lied to you. Because whether it be a 30-minute message or uh, relationship problems or uh, things that need to be healed, right? People that need to be healed or saved or finances and business and, right, like these external things happening outside of our life. Or we have these internal things, right? Like uh, we deal with miscarriages and some kind of sickness and anxiety and depression and, and addictions and these things happening right in here, right? When we start to become uh, afraid and fearful and everything just feels so heavy at this point when we only know fight or flight, right? Listen, I want to tell you that it was this God who said to this king, who's telling you and I this morning, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed of this great thing because this battle was never yours. It's mine. He's saying, let me fight for you. It was this God who said to this king who's telling you and I this morning, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed because I am always what? With you. Listen, storms will come. Suffering will come. Hardships will come. But you were never meant to go through these things alone. And the amount of faith that this king showed through hearing the word is that he believed in it. Because before the battle even started, he went and fell into a time of worship. See, God delivered Judah from the enemy. God is the one who fought their battles for them. And this God made the impossible possible, right? And so I want to remind you that this God is the same God who's here with us this morning. And besides this king in this story, I love that song that Austin was singing, There is a King of Kings. And there is the Lord of Lords who went before us and fought and won the greatest battle known to mankind for your soul and for my soul. And his name is Jesus. This morning, I want to remind you that he not only wanted to save you, but he wanted to have a relationship with you. And I don't know where you're at today, but he hears you and he sees you and he wants to do a mighty work in and around your life. So I challenge you this week, church, Seek him first in all that you do and watch him move in a way that you would never expect. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. I pray that uh, if we've been, uh, forgive us, Lord, if we've been looking at these other things and putting our hope and our trust in the things down here, Lord, it says the victory was always yours, the battle was always yours. So God, I pray that we would put our eyes, our hearts would return back to you, that we would trust you, and that this week we could say, Lord, go before us in every situation, big or small, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your word would go out, that we, when we leave this place, Lord, that we would continue to be that salt and that light, Lord, to the people around us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us. As it says, your word is a lamp to our path and a light to our feet, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that this morning that we would take your word and that we would reflect on it, Lord, and we would live out what it says to do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.